so so I have I have full disclosure my uh, my new law office as you know I opened in Wilmington this spring uh, I'm actually in the Chamber of Commerce building uh, out of all things so I'm in the middle of the you're right in it the evil empire yes yeah, so it's uh, so it's quite interesting I think they, it's they a did, juxtaposition they did um, they did interview uh, you know the director of uh, Kingswood. Uh, the Riverside, Logan, Logan yes, Heron. Mm-hmm. So Logan had a, a lot man. of he had a couple nice pieces, but then they and then they interviewed a, a somebody on the east side, a, a pastor, and he was basically just like, "Yeah, we were going to fix all these houses up on Church Street, but then Przicki came to mayor and hey, what are you going to do?" I'm like, "That's it. That's, yeah, that's we're just going to roll over." <laughs> he just like rolled over. <laughs> Welcome, comrades, friends, and enemies. We're here again uh, in the shadow of Rockford Tower, in the belly of the beast, behind enemy lines. Uh, I'm your friend, Ari Vanella, and we have a full, full bunker this evening. We have both super producers, Carl and Margaret. Uh, we have a, uh, an executive producer who will be named later, who's just uh, checking things out. We also have a uh, former AG uh, candidate and civil rights attorney extraordinaire, Chris Johnson, who is also uh, the house counsel for Highlands Bunker. Hey, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I, I'm very honored that we have the two super producers here tonight. It's so a special. I, I, um, it, I will say when they're both here, it is a special, special night. They're going to keep you on point? That's going to be tough to do. <laughs> Um, so I just wanted to start by sort of uh, giving you my observations for the week and trying to tie them into sort of some of the topics we're going to talk about tonight. Um, I don't talk about Trump that much. Uh, I'm still not going to talk about him that much because he's a, he's a fucking bore. Person who's occupying the White House. Right? Ah, yes. Uh, there we go. Okay. Perfect. Um, but, um, but again, I think... <clears throat> We're in a dangerous situation here. And so I implore everybody to sort of pay attention and uh, sort of join the fight because non-participation is not helping. You know, hoping it will blow over or he'll, you know, the person who's in the Oval Office will will self-impeach. None of that's going to happen. And so we got to, we have to all sort of join the fight in our own way. Uh, but non-participation is not is not going to to help. Um. So today, two things that are criminal justice related that uh, grind my gears. Um, the Florida cop who was caught planting uh, drugs on people has been arrested. Um, who knows how many people on that police force or how many times he did that other than the twelve times they got him on? But I think it's indicative of. Um, of really a, an, a, an insidious problem that goes sort of unreported a lot, just keeping people, keeping the boot on people's neck just for, I guess, for fun. Um, the second thing that happened just this morning was the Fed said that they are not going to um, prosecute uh, the NYPD cop who, uh, who killed Eric Gardner. Um, I got my, my Taibi book out, uh, I Can't Breathe. I recommend everybody read it. It's a beautiful uh, 
sort of journalistic exploration of that whole situation. Um, and just thinking about that and uh, thinking about the activism his daughter did uh, and thinking about that he was killed for, for nothing because it's what we do um, is, is, is um, it's sick. So let, let's even just start off. I mean, I, I don't know how many listeners out there are surprised. Um, honestly, I'm not. We've seen time and time again uh, charges not be brought. And so we have to continue to pursue justice, uh, I believe. The only way is possibly through the courts uh, in terms of civil litigation and lawsuits. Otherwise, I mean, New York City uh, presidential candidate Bill de Blasio, he punted it, he refused to, you know, um, pursue or fire the officers. And then the U.S. attorney's office, by no surprise, under a AG Bill Barr, they didn't press charges. So, I mean, it's just. It's not a surprise given the cast of characters. Um, and honestly, I, I go back to 2014 when this first occurred. Obama, under Obama's watch, uh, Eric Holder and Loretta Lynch, they had the chance to do it. And it should have happened then. Uh, the charges should have been brought. Uh, the family could have had some closure. And this could have been resolved years ago. The fact that... Um, Obama's U.S. Attorney's Office did not do that, did not give me much hope that it would happen under uh, the person who occupies the White House. And that's just what we have to look at. That's the reality because the, the, it, it's so egregious. Um, it shocks the conscience about how Eric Garner uh, was treated. But the bottom line is it takes courageous leaders to step up and under... Bill Barr is not going to happen, and in New York City, it's not going to happen. They're going to protect the cops. And let's not, not let's 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 not forget that the video of of this uh, killing, extrajudicial killing. He was not, and, and if you read the Taibbi book, uh, he was not being arrested for anything. He had he had been arrested selling for, tapes. He had been he had been arrested before for selling loose cigarettes and selling uh, CDs and things like that. But he wasn't doing it on that morning. The the per, the the the, the lieutenant in charge of that district just said um, there's a building going up and there's going to be some dignitaries or whatever in that neighborhood get these people off the street so he wasn't it, it, he wasn't at resisting arrest because he wasn't being arrested for anything he was just he was just murdered in the street and I and people need to sort of understand what that means it does shock the conscience but it's not a surprise it's not a surprise at all I mean it's been it's been happening for a long time and that's why it's important that we talk about it but then the, what 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 I do and what I train folks on is what do you do next right because often you can't rely on elected officials to take action that's just proven time and time again and even in Delaware um, they don't stand up and take action uh, the, the, the FOP is in their air the state police is in their air so it's up to uh, often the family can only turn to civil rights attorney you know to take action i mean the most famous was johnny cochran he handled police shootings for decades throughout the country and that's uh, i'm part of a new generation uh, along with attorneys such as you know lee Merritt, who go around the country and, and you know pretty much look at cases from all over and say look this is wrong and we're going to at least see them in civil court maybe get something for the family, but otherwise they're not going to be criminally charged.
Yeah, and that's, I think people need to understand <clears throat> there's only so much power we have. We're in a scary, sort of dangerous situation. We've let things sort of fester, and now, uh, because of a series of unfortunate political events, we're in, the, we're in the shit. And so we have power in civil litigation. We have power in the House of Representatives, because at least the opposition party control. And those two areas need to fight. The other thing we have, of course, is just people. We have the people. Uh, people are already starting to step up and close some of these detention centers in New York and in Philadelphia and in Pennsylvania and in other places, which is great. Um, people should be putting their body on the line, too, because we only have a few different sort of avenues in which to push back on this. And so everybody needs to sort of join up. Like people have this idea of they don't want their elected officials to get into these mudslinging events or they don't sort of have they have an idea about civil attorneys that but everybody needs to fight now because we're, we're really in the shit. And they need to fight back because there's, there's systemic things happening that are not going to be addressed. And at least um, some of that pushback will delay it enough where political uh, uh, other political means look, can take over. Look, and this kind of paints a picture. A, a, a noose was found in Home Depot in Wilmington the other day. Um, I have not seen one public statement. Um, you know, Home Depot made their simple corporate statement. But I have not seen any public statement from an elected official. Um, denouncing what occurred, uh, talking about what we can do to better address what is going on in Delaware specifically. Because this, yes, it happened at Home Depot, but this happened in Delaware. And so it happened under all of our watch. And so there was not an outcry about what we can do as a community so that people like that get rooted out, right? You know, and somebody should not feel comfortable in Wilmington putting a noose in a supermarket you know what i mean yeah, so I mean, it's like this isn't mississippi yeah. but yeah, sometimes that's just the problem is we're not not only are we not um rooting it out the the current we're going in the wrong direction like on the lee atwater scale we're going backwards like how it, it seems to me like it's going to be no time at all before we can just use blatantly racist language again i mean we're, that's the thing scary thing to me is it, we're, we're we're literally we're in regression the reactionary has become so reactionary we've regressed to this and uh, the faster people sort of understand that and start push back on it is important. T Timothy Snyder wrote a book. Um, he's, a, he's written a r very long books about fascism in Europe, um, Russian history, but he wrote a very short book about two years ago uh, about fascism and it was just rules to, to sort of fight fascism and one of them was professional people need to uh, make sure that they continue to do what they do to push back, which is what you're talking about, about civil attorneys, because everybody needs to get involved in it or else we're going to lose quite a bit. It's just it's a it's a very scary, uh, scary time. Um, the, the the one thing I don't know how much you can you can't talk about anything specifically, but uh, I know that there was a press release yesterday, press conference, a press conference yesterday regarding uh, your representation of uh, a person who worked at uh, Connections uh, in, in connection with uh, the death of an inmate at uh, what I'm going to continue to call Gander Hill, since I'm an old, old head, um, who was sort of, uh, he, he was at Vaughn and, 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 and witnessed, I guess, the uprising there, uh, was transferred into Wilmington and was uh, basically denied proper medical care. 
And this isn't the first time these things have happened. If you want to look at sort of the facts of the case or some journalism, Brittany Horn of the News Journal wrote an article on the 12th of July. I recommend everybody read it if you want to know the gruesome details of how this, um, and again, this is commentary, how this man was tortured at the, the prison. <clears throat> um, and, and the way that he died and how long it took for him to die. So I, I invite everybody to take a look at that. Uh, there's also Christina Jedger, before she moved to Hawaii, wrote a story in May about Crest South, another uh, contractor who is contracted to, to do sort of services for inmates. And so I invite everybody to read that and sort of understand how the things that we see at the national level sort of filter down. We don't treat people with, we don't treat people like human beings. We don't treat anybody with respect. Uh, to the point where we just let people rot and die. And um, it's it just another uh, sort of local indication of a broader concept that's that's really, really scary. Um, I don't know how much you can talk about your, your advocacy or your, your, your client here. I, I but... talk about my advocacy every day. And yeah. <laughs> no, I look, this is this is uh, I'm glad to talk about it because it needs to be talked about. We, we, we got to stop this BS where we don't talk about these issues that are severely hurting Delawareans. And um, this is one such issue. The, the prison issue has been, it's been a problem in Delaware for a long time. You know, how inmates are treated, the health care they get. This has been an ongoing problem. This isn't new. And that's the tough part about it. Like these problems are not new creations. They've existed. There have been reports about it. There's always a task force and then nothing's done. And so that's the biggest problem that I have with this is that this could have been, a lot of these problems could have been addressed a long time ago. And, you know, obviously the public can read uh, about our individual lawsuit, but um, it was a tragic incident and this was a human life taken. And I was, I look at comments even though I know I shouldn't. And, you know, one, one thing I saw was like people said, well, you know, he deserved it. He was in prison for whatever he did and that's just a crazy like right-wing thinking that we don't need we need to root people out like that like that he is a prisoner and did something bad but he's paid his amends but he doesn't deserve to be treated like a human and that's the problem with the prison system in delaware in general you can't even get a college degree in delaware prisons and that's maybe going to be a subject of future litigation i don't know but I have clients who prefer to be in other states. They were, they want to be in New Jersey. They want to be in Pennsylvania because you can at least get an advanced degree. Delaware, you cannot. That's one thing that fires me up and pisses me off because while you're in prison, fine, you're there for 20, 25 years. Why can't you better yourself as a man? The most you can get is a high school degree. Now, what kind of is, is that humane in itself? Well, here's what I'm going to say, and I don't know if you look at this as commentary or how you want to take this, but that's all by design. Because the folks that we funnel into that system, uh, this is this is why, for example, uh, you're right. The system's Florida, not broken. It's, the, it's, working, it's working the way it's, it's supposed to. This is why. Look at you. Look at Florida. What they do with inmates and voting, right? And so, th because the those folks are the people that we need to disenfranchise. We don't want them to vote. Uh, we don't let them get a barber license or some license to work. We don't have proper uh, integration services like Margaret and I were talking about earlier. Um, 
We don't let them get an advanced. I mean, Christ, we, we want to get these people in prison. We're not going to give them an advanced degree. It's by design. It does not surprise me. And when people start looking at it like that, uh, I, th I, I think they should be, at least a small portion of them should be uh, driven to action. Because I think it's by design. I mean, and, and this, again, I can go on all night about Delaware prisons, but it, it's a famous contact our firm every day just about the treatment, um, about their wrongful convictions, um, just about the miscarriage of justice that has existed in this state for a long time. On par, of worse, than many southern states. And that's the amazing part about the Delaware complex, you know. Uh, there, there's more progress in a lot of states in the deep south, which is amazing. Like, um, in, until I started to work with, on wrongful conviction and Elmer Daniels became a client in a firm. And, um, you know, those of you who are at home, you know, you can Google Elmer Daniels and you can find articles nationally about Elmer Daniels. You know, spent 39 years incarcerated for a crime he didn't commit. Um, and I looked, I said, well, you know, at least we can get him some compensation, right? When he gets out, Delaware doesn't have a wrongful conviction compensation bill. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> Alabama uh, does, Mississippi does, Texas and, does. And this was raised in the last general assembly in some fashion. Was it not? Yes, it was. Uh, HB 196 was uh, legislation that was introduced. Judiciary and a committee in this, uh, house passed it flying colors, uh, it has bipartisan support. Actually, Senator Pettyjohn is a uh, co-sponsor on the Senate side. So it's a common sense reform. Um, but when you talk about compensating individuals who were uh, in prison, then, well, that's not a popular subject in Delaware. It, it, and, we, and we got a lot of pushback. Um, we got so much pushback that it didn't go any further. It has not even gone to the floor for a vote. You know, And that's the part that fires me up because you know here the we have people for, so it passed the house committee but it did not get on the delaware house floor for a vote now the guy that's in charge the delaware house i don't re remember ah that. let me see i mean we might have to do a we might have to do a commentary alarm do not be alarmed this is a commentary the Speaker of the Delaware House, ladies and gentlemen, is Peter Schwarzkopf, who, in a in a previous life, in a previous life, was a uh, was police, was uh, was a dirty rotten pig. So, this is why things that are common sense, things that bipartisan support, bipartisan we have support, the, actually the votes, bipartisan support, bipartisan. There's a word that I just incredibly enjoy. However. Hey, you know, but but we did it that way because that Fine, was the, yeah. the support was there, broad support. So so let me let's let's think about this in a in a broader sense. <clears throat> we have bipartisan support. We and, and it comes out of a, of a committee. And Sean the, Lynn is the primary sponsor. Shout out Sean representative. Lynn. Sean Lynn Dover, come on the podcast. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So so the 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 one person who was in control of stopping it, stopped it as the Democratic leader of the House. What constituency does that serve, everyone? Who is that for? Like, what rubric or what set of ideals does not advancing that to the floor for a vote enhance or, or fall into? Let's use our critical thinking and figure out 
why people are doing what they're doing, challenge them on it, and if they don't respond properly, get them out. And end of rant. And you're right, Rob. And look, I, I imagine Elmer would be love to tell you his story. Um, I can't wait to have him. I, I mean, look, he he's been in he was in prison longer than I've even been alive. Um, and many of us it, it can't fathom like you would trade any amount of money for 39 years of your life. And um, you know, we were told the money's not there. Um, the money's not there. Um, you know, it's not in this budget. It's not, you know, we can worry about next year. And so I had to tell the man who went through hell and back that, uh, you know, maybe in January, which probably is not likely then. So, you know, we, we'll talk in future episodes about what our next course of action is. But um, this is something that we're not leaving alone because um, it's, it's not just Elmer Daniels. It's individuals such as uh, Jermaine Wright. He was another wrongfully convicted uh, individual. Um, Isaiah McCoy is another recent one. There's on and on and on. I mean, we have tons of individuals who have been wrongfully convicted in Delaware, and it, it, we need a bill. I mean, this is something that can pass in the deep south, and we can't do it up here for a supposedly democratic state. Um, it really is alarming. So it just, uh, you know, my job is to educate the public on these issues and us to rally around those who are disadvantaged in our system. Yeah, and, and I always try to, and that's why I, I jotted down a few sort of very, very uh, sort of current events uh, with the the Eric Garner situation and the Florida cop being arrested because it all paints this picture of what what this is really saying, what this constituency is, is cops can do what they want. Like we're going to send police out to do whatever they have to do and there's going to be really no check on that at all. There's going to be no responsibility after the fact. There, there's going to be no sort of... Um, it's just it's a it's a process that's been put in place to uh, control and disenfranchise and marginalize people, mostly poor people and black people, and it's working as designed. This is not uh, this is not a, a an incredible coincidence that all of these things yeah. are happening. And and that's one thing you know. I know we're talking about current events. Um, you talk about criminal justice reforms in, in Delaware and. Things have been done, what haven't been done. Um, unfortunately, we've only scratched the surface of what we can do. Um, if you look at all the bills this past General Assembly session, uh, first of all, they were all uh, simply promoted by House leadership. It wasn't a bottom-up process. Um, so this was a pre-designed, pre-baked legislation. And none of them received the opposition of the FOP. And the ones that did, um, such as, you know, um, SB 39, the Delaware Center for Justice, Fines and Fees and License Bill, got knocked down, got knocked down squarely by those forces that we talk about. Yeah, so, one, you know, I believe that's the one we were talking about. Which, like, the, yeah, yeah, like, go ahead. addendum to that, the most, like, infuriating part I found about that is that they knocked down SB 39. They tried to tack on a amendment. So SB 39 is a very comprehensive fines and fees bill. A very crucial part of that very necessary and comprehensive reform was stopping the suspension of people's driver licenses because they could not pay their court fines and fees, which makes a lot of sense because that policy directly criminalizes poverty. If you are someone who cannot pay your fines and fees and your driver's license gets suspended, then you cannot drive to work to make money to pay those fines and fees. Instead, you have to either drive illegally thereby incurring more criminal cases and owing more fines and fees, again, more entangled with the criminal justice system, or just 
not be able to like work your job for instance or take care of anything financially so to me that's such a common sense aspect of that bill so even when 39 got knocked down um there was a set amendment to a different bill that just was like let's stop the driver's license suspensions and that and there was for the uh, the main bill that then was tacked onto, there was like, again, general bipartisan support. It was supposed to pass. It was to be like very non fuss And that amendment brought up the entire bill. It's completely stalled after session. Yeah, that made me ab- so angry. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit for, with Dustin uh, last week, Dustin Thompson, from because he was uh, lobbying for it. And again, it, my, my problem is like you, the, the thing we talked about was when you're lobbying a particular uh, legislator and you're like, you know, what's their, what's their hang up? Like, and really it's, this is a revenue thing. Like, again, you, you talked about how they don't have money for a wrongful conviction and they don't have money to do this or they don't have money to do that. And what they're saying is that these things, we only have these little trickles of money from ridiculous fines and fees and court fees and levies on pawn levies that snowball on poor people. Or we let rich people launder money for a couple of thousand, a couple of hundred thousand dollars every year. And that's our, that's our budget. And the choice we make, again, this is another commentary. I need to say this. We make a choice to do that. We make a choice to take fees from poor people who, you know, they get a $50 fine for smoking marijuana, but they're homeless and they can't make the court date. Now they owe $500. That's revenue. We get revenue from from LLCs. And what we do is we allow other folks to take advantage of our system and live, uh, you know, live a, a, you know, a petite bourgeois life here on the backs of that, and it's not, it's not cool. And, and let's just look at the, like I said, the legislative kind of update because you, you did talk to Dustin last week in Delaware. United has done a hell of a job advocating. Um, they're part of the Smart Justice Coalition. Um, in fact, Smart Justice Coalition is a group of all the criminal justice organizations uh, we formed in January. Pretty much say this is what the community wants. This is what we want. Well, unfortunately, those projects and legislation took a back seat to what essentially the the powers to be wanted. So, I mean, let, let, let's look at it. So we go to HB5 passed, concurrent sentencing, which um, those of you without getting into the nitty gritty, um, simply could happen at the power of the prosecutor to not overcharge. Therefore, you can, in effect, concurrent sentencing is not a huge deal. Right, you know, um, that just allows you to serve the sentencing same time. Can't you can stack. serve, it's like a yeah, can't stack you can serve, up. you know, uh, two, you know, 10 year sentences concurrently instead of consecutively. At the end of the day, this, this is codifying. Judges did have some discretion anyway in doing that. So, okay. Let's look at the other bills. Um, let's look at the HB4, JJ uh, Johnson sentencing reform bill um, that uh, did. Passed out of House committee, but it, it's still a work in progress. That's going to be a big step forward. Again, monumental bill. It's going to do more things. Can I interject one thing? These uh, and Dustin mentioned this yeah. too about um, what you said, work in progress, or hey, we we made all of these concessions, and now we've made enough concessions to sort of push it off to the next yeah. session. I'm like, so we're making concessions as a work in, just to get it considered next time. Which <laughs> they you know, I just this is a this is a reoccurring theme. In the Delaware General Assembly, I just want to point. And that then out. Uh, HB seven, massage and body work licensing. I think you talked about that with Dustin. Again, when, but it's not going to 
Move, it's not, moved it's not in earth. the, you know. We're not, we're not, not gonna, affecting the material conditions yeah. of a lot of people. HB8, tax credit for hiring formerly incarcerated people. There's something. Still a work in progress. HB124, plumbing, HVAC, and refrigeration licensing. Again, it's always good, but that assumes they're out of prison and able to get a license. Um, fines and fees. Um, we have SB37. Um, with uh, Senate Amendment One, that's the adult expungement bill. That was a big victory. Um, so that thank, did that passed. Yes, the yeah, Senator yeah. Darius Brown. That yeah, is signed you, into uh, law. Can you sort of uh, give a little synopsis of that? So, so, so that is the bill um, that makes uh, expungement more readily available to uh, individuals um, with deception of a few major felonies, uh, such as murder. Um, able to get expungement after a certain m amount of time, and it did actually open the door for um, discretionary expungement. Um, I would like to see, you know, the needle moved even further in terms of mandatory expungement, which is another super technical issue. But the thing is, um, a lot of these these expungements you actually have to apply. So uh, I would like to see the door widen for mandatory expungements, like even automatic. with convictions. Yes. So if you so meet say, the criteria, it's just automatic. Yes. Yeah, so say if you get a conviction for a misdemeanor after five years, you know it would be off. Don't, you don't have to. We apply. don't want that. Um, so you know, but but that was that was a good start. But again, what what I look for is first we got to get people out of prison and not charged, and then you know we go to SB forty three electrical examiner licensing again. Um, the big thing was SB 47, controlled substances bill. You discussed that with Dustin, dealing with location of drug sentencing. Again, um, I, we, we don't have data to back up what the impact will be. Um, and the fact is the prosecutors always had the power to charge or not charge. Yeah, and this is, this is one of the things when I was speaking to Dustin about a lot of this stuff. Like, it, it's just a power to charge. Like, it's just discretionary power. Because the fact of the matter is, no one knows where the bunker is, but the fact of the matter is that the bunker sometimes in its provisions and it's, you know, it needs marijuana here. That's just part of the thing that makes the bunker run. But the bunker is near a, a church of some sort. Now, if anything happened here, I guess that's an aggravating circumstance, but no one would ever use that on me because it's ridiculous, because it's always ridiculous. It's just a tool to do the thing that we were talking about before. The people who need to get the book thrown at them, and we all know who that is, get the book thrown at them and others do not. So anything that sort of pulls this out is important, but again, it gets, what did he say? It got, it got rolled back from a possession in those situations to dealing in those yeah. situations. And, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna beat around a bush, and this is, you know me, I'm, I'm a straight shooter, that's my job, that's why clients love me. <laughs> it, look. We at, love you too. At, at, at the end of the day, I'm about making people whole again. These things help. That's if you're out of prison. But that's, you know, if you're already struggling, a lot of the things like such as finding fees, that's going to have a direct impact on daily life. Like somebody will be able to buy food for their kid because they're not in prison. Like that is a monumental, yeah, that's a monumental bill. That's changing lives in Delaware. All these other bills at the end of the day, um, Delawareans, didn't wake up July 1st and say, you know what, uh, now I'm going to be able to make it. Now I'm going to be able to go to school. Now I'm going to be able to afford DART. That's not what this does. We, and we have to invest. If you notice, none of these involve money. And that's the thing. None of these involve money. Fines and fees, money. Wrongful conviction bill, money. And it's an investment. That's where we need to go in Delaware because we are not investing in our 
disadvantaged folks. And so that is where the goal, see, all these bills, none of them involve money. I can change sentencing laws. I can, you know, I can change some of that. But they don't involve a direct investment in our community. And that's the magic bullet. And that's where we're going to really move Delawareans up, is we have to invest in Delawareans. And, and none of these bills do that. So in terms of this being the biggest year in criminal justice history in Delaware, no, no. I mean, I, you know, yeah, it sure uh, didn't better be the start of that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's a start. We've, we've gone, I think, in a proper direction, but not nearly where we could go. And, um, you know, especially pretrial reform. We still need a lot of, uh, we, we need to go very far in that direction and to making sure people aren't even on bail. I mean, look at this. The cash bail. Look, we had that case uh, the other uh, week with the convicted felon who was convicted, skip bail. But he was only $125,000 bail, and he's a drug kingpin. Ah, come on. Butter Rico? <laughs> but, but, you know. Hold on. No, they got him. I was going to make a joke that he was here in the bunker. And he's not a client <laughs> client of mine. But, <laughs> yeah, they got It's but, okay. He only went as far as uh, West Philly, I think. But but then we, I, I have a perfect example. I have clients who are not drug kingpins and, you know, 18, 19 years old, and they have a similar bail, if not more. So, you know, it's just like, who is the flight risk? Well, you know, what's the risk community? Um, and obviously, that's where the bail system's not working, right? When you have a high-risk offender who can afford to leave, can afford to pay that money up front, and he skips town. And that's where the system's broken. So we need the reforms there. That's going to really make a difference in people's lives. Yeah, and we, we talked about that a little bit, too, is, you know, I have critiques of this sort of technocratic pull the levers within the system kind of thing, and I, I think my critique is pretty good. But in situations where... You know, you can materially change people's lives, alleviate suffering for people and give them, you know, some some kind of hope, even if it's a few thousand people, it's worth it. So, like, I, I completely understand that kind of stuff. Um, I just, I wish people had sort of like we have and certainly Dustin has and everybody in this room has uh, and sort of an overarching ideal that this is what we're driving at. It's not just... Um, negotiation for negotiation's sake so we can quote unquote claim a legislative victory and we can have a like a picture and a sign and the governor signs and you know people go out and they they, they talk about it that's not it's not sufficient yeah, and that's why the smart justice coalition still uh, i believe we have a meeting scheduled later this summer along with the aclu is one of the states um they're staring at um you know that's part of the talk we're going to have about how to approach these leaders um because again it has to be bottom up um in terms of criminal justice and, and every single piece of legislation came through it was pre-baked came down in january and was like this is what we're going to do we're not going to pass anything else and it just can't be that way it has to be legislation coming from the people as you know uh, we all have individual experiences with folks in the community um i'm very interested in the community and and, and, and uh, there, there's there's piece of legislation I didn't even think about till someone tells me or someone who just got out of jail tells me about, you know what, this should be fixed. So that's what we have to do. We, we can't do this top-down approach. We have to do bottom-up. Um, and, and that's where we have to get in Delaware. And, and the big scary thing is, you know, obviously with 2020 coming up, I'm not going to talk about elections but you can if you want uh, we you usually know, we usually talk about that at the end and then carl cuts it all out because it's so boring no, but it, it, it is we, we have to think when you have choices you have to make the choice that makes sense um and, and, and the choice that 
is, is for investing in people. And that's really where we get with Delaware. Because if you look at education, that's been something that's been hotly talked about. Um, the, the ACLU has a lawsuit loan to NAACP. We'll see what happens with that. That's so far going forward, which is good. Um, what are the specifics of that? Uh, you know, again, I'm not a litigator on that team. So I just I'm meant on just in general, ter- in general terms. I mean, essentially, the state's being what are sued. The, what, what is their, what, what's their position? The state's, for- state's being sued for um, the discrimination in the, um, the, the funding formula in Delaware. You know, okay. essentially doesn't account for poverty. You know, the unit funding does does not do that. So that is... You know why it doesn't do that? Well... <laughs> it's, by desi- it's by design. So, you know, the, 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 the king is with education. Look, we had to take it to the courts. That shouldn't have been necessary for this to happen because these problems aren't new. Um, these problems have existed for a long time in Delaware, and yet... Time after time, leader after leader gets kicked down the line. You get two million dollars there, three million dollars there. You know they invest it, but but nothing's changing. And so that's the thing. And that's is that taxpayers should be aware of this. Like we want to know where your tax dollars are going. And if if if, if there needs to be structural change, then you need to know that there's a fundamental plan to change it. But weighted funding funding formula is the way to do it. But there's a resistance to doing that. Uh, not, it comes from various fronts, but there's a resistance to... <laughs> Would you like to describe some of those fronts? I mean, there, there's a... Just, honestly, there's a resistance to accounting for poverty. Because if you if you take that same student, they need so many more resources. Because um, not only, you know, they're dealing with cognitive difficulties, they're um, dealing with the home, they can't get food. So it makes sense why that student should probably get more funding because they need a wraparound that goes to school with them and they need everything. But for some reason, some leaders in Delaware don't see it that way. Um, similarly, such as if you make more, you should pay more in taxes. Um, that, 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 that is, you know, I don't, you know what? So Kowalko was in here. Uh, and so we had a long conversation about that and it's just, I don't. I don't know how to uh, approach people because because if you actually talk to people that are even democratic, they believe in that. Yeah. People of uh, from, from, I mean, you, you believe in that. I believe in that. Uh, and so because I want to give my fair share, so people don't, you know, uh, cause chaos. I, I you know I don't really know other way to say it. it's it's, it's humane. Yeah. Why should you pay the same tax rate as somebody that's a million I, uh, that that or that makes twenty thousand dollars a year? You know, it's just. Here's the problem I have, and I, I tried to flesh this out with, uh, with Dustin because he was talking about having these sort of conver- intimate conversations with people and sort of whether they're negotiation or understanding that person's perspective and sort of what we can offer them and still, you know, try to alleviate suffering and make material change for people. So I'm thinking about this dynamic and I'm like, but here's the thing. You either think that the, the, the elites and the people who are, are really taking the most advantage of our system should pay more so that every student goes to a school that's like Tower Hill. I mean, we could do that. We could build 20 Tower Hills with the money that we generate here, but we choose not to because we don't think that it's right. So I don't know how to argue with somebody who doesn't think that's right. 
because the revenue we generate, this is a, I mean, again, we've talked about these LLCs and I kind of, that's my, that's the bug up my ass, but so much billions and billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars comes through here for a pittance and we can't find the money to, to treat everybody humanely. So I don't know how to approach those folks who don't, who like don't have that overarching, um, sort of set of ideals that things I mean, fall look, between. and it's a give and take because i'm look I, I i think the capitalist system some degree works you know i was at economics security major, so get this fucking guy out of look, here look i i was an economics major so i, I no look, you're look, out get, get to, look, who's the sergeant of arms I, take him out back put bottom, him up against the wall bottom line is we have to pay our share fair share like you know if if, if we're getting just raked over the coals you know, then then we're not getting our fair share. That's all I want. I want I want businesses to be able to prosper, do what they need to do. But we need to get our fair share. You know, there should be a Bank of America, you know, uh, after school program at at um, you know Hicks Anderson, right? There, there should be a whole Bank of America center. Hicks Anderson could be named Bank of America. Center I don't like that invested. idea. I don't like that but they, idea. But I do like this idea. Let me throw this off of you. Because I hate that idea. <laughs> I don't want any branding. Now, branding, well, I don't look, want fucking I mean, branding. but like, it doesn't have to be named. What I, did, what, you, what, I, what I would like is if people, if criminals are going to launder money through here, and if Russian arms dealers and back page fucking child sex people and dark web drug dealers and El Chapo and Trump and all this bull, if they're going to launder money through the, the attorneys downtown through this LLC deal, then we should get a bigger fucking cut of it. And what we should do with that cut then is the things that we're talking about. Like, I don't want, I don't care if JP Morgan Chase or DuPont brands, the, I mean, I wish they, it would be nice if they built a country club down there at Kingswood for the kids on the riverside. You um, want a country but, club? Yeah. You, but like, <laughs> I meant fancy. <laughs> okay, I got fancy you. Fancy courses. Just, just, the term country club to me is like very no, loaded I mean, with implications. I meant the facilities, <laughs> not the, yes. not the yes. blue block. I understand the what you meant. I just want people. I wanted to slightly risk using that term. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a Przyzicki plan. It does. It does. Also, you're giving people ideas. But it will happen. The same. Like, so, I like, meant the facilities yeah. without the people. You got to be realistic. I mean, you got to be realistic. Right? If, if they're, you know, they're going to make their money either way. Let's just get a little bit bigger cut. And yeah, let's no. get invested I, in the I, city. I, I, Don't get me wrong. I am not saying, we, like, like, for instance, like, when you're saying, like, you were some people putting their name on it, I think, like, if you can give people resources, like, that is more key than anything, you know? Like, when it comes down to it, like, if that's going to happen, that's good. Um, so, I just wanted and, to rest the, bank, the term. Look, look, no, no, yeah. and I don't, I don't. I don't look, I mean, they, they have, so, I mean, DuPont, obviously. I, I said I would take money from, at some, we were talking with Kobe in here, and I said I would take uh, investment money, like, from an oil company? I'm like, maybe. Yeah, but, but DuPont <laughs> used to be a major player. True. In a philanthropic community, and since they vanished, uh, MBNA was, of course, a big one. Um, you know, there are, you know, because I know in the Delaware Center for Justice site, we we get grants from a lot of the major players, and so I, I know, you know, uh, you know, there has been some more investment, uh, you know, from say Bank of America, they have been investing some, and, and um, Chase has been investing some more, but we got to get more. You know, we gotta get more. Yeah, but they're not gonna give more, you more. That's more. part. That's that's baked into the system. Mm -hmm. You know, like the 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 Koch brothers built the uh, the Opera House in New York, for example. Like that that kind of stuff's baked into the system.
Now, again, is it necessary for the work that we're doing today? Absolutely. There's, there's, there's no question about that. But my, my critique of it is, is just that. I mean, the, the Sacklers, the, the family that uh, basically created the opioid crisis for money, <clears throat> they were big investors in like the arts in, 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 in New York as well. And, and big investors. In th but th that's caused a lot of controversy, and that's actually changing. But, like, I appreciate that that's what has to happen. Like, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. Uh, but I am very um, skeptical that that's a model that's going to work going forward. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, look, and, and, and I agree. I, I, I just, you know, like cities such as Wilmington, right, for example. Um, a lot of things we, we talk about, there's a lot of talk about blight legislation and stuff like that. The city just doesn't have as much revenue as people think. You actually look at the budget, salaries. And so, you know, there, there has to be a way to get an influx of cash because the city is not like, say, Philadelphia or Boston where you can raise taxes, right? Uh, but here's the thing. I, I mean, I uh, do reconnaissance in this area outside of the bunker. I see a lot of rich motherfuckers around here. Now I don't know, like but the city doesn't control that. The, the the city can't tax them more. Why is that? Well, that's uh, home, home, under home rule charter and, and state law. Well, again, the, I know that, but again, this is all can't. by this. But there's a reason that that's there's a reason that that law exists. So it's controlled by the state, right? Yes. Yeah, so, and, and so one one thing I I, I wanted to talk about and and you know uh, gun gun rights. We we've had a lot of people I know speakers talk about gun rights. Um, and what happened this this year? Uh, and it's the most concerning things I think I've ever seen in Delaware. What what occurred? Um, because it's always the fear, the fear, the fear of what's going to happen if they vote for gun legislation. Even you'll hear from legislators themselves. Um, but the amazing part is that if you look at actually who the Democratic voters are, overwhelming majority support the sensible gun legislation it, 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 it's just across the board the people who the people who are against it are republicans and independents and i'm going to just give you a perfect example uh look at the race in which i was involved in um you know look at the the attorney general's race everyone was positions was for gun reform um and the only one that was against gun reform uh, was in last place. <laughs> so, it, 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 so if you look at the Democratic voters, right? Like, you just go back and look at the numbers. Look at the, the who the top three were, and then who the last place person was. There's a wide distance. So, the people that are for gun reform overwhelmingly are Democrats. And the people that are against it are Republicans and independents. I, I don't know whatever way to say it. I know you talk with these union workers. It, it's just, that's the perfect example of that. You had, out of four candidates, three that were for gun reform, for everything that we talk about. Moms demand action. And overwhelmingly had superior numbers to the person that was against it. So I, I don't know what more proof, data, I don't know what else they it's, need again i we've talked about this you know all the time and i don't it comes down to sort of what i was saying before if if you don't believe 
if you don't want to believe that why is and, people from out of state? A lot of people who attended the uh, gun the, rally. I'm, uh, yes, I'm talking about the legislators that were, or the legislator, or maybe there was two of them, that that were swayed by this quote unquote pressure, so called pressure, whatever you want to call it. Like they, I, I don't know if they're going to be swayed by that pressure. I don't know what else to do other than remove them from office. That's the only thing to do because uh, now we're so we're on the same page. Because the, at the end of the day, you have to be willing. And this is what we don't have. We don't have courage. I, I'm looking across the state. You have to have those legislators, and there are some, you know, and we know who they are, who are willing to lose their seat if that's what it takes. You go back to the stories about the Affordable Health Care Act. Obama was willing to lose the presidency. You know, there's stories about that, how he knew that was very risky, doing what he was dead. But he was willing to lose the presidency instead of self-preservation, which is what you get. You get it in Congress. You know, someone like, um, you know, Ilhan Omar and AOC, you know, they, We're all they, they are going to, they are running and legislating, governing as if they don't care. You know what? Because if they lose, they have something else they can get on to. And that's what we need to get where there's not career politicians who are simply worried about the next election. Well, because they're being genuine. Because they genuinely, what they're saying, when they come out and speak, what they did yesterday was just incredible. When they come out and speak, you're like, they're, they're genuinely telling me like they're no bullshit. I can understand. I love it. You, they, you can feel that they're the squad. Yeah, I love it. You can feel that they're right. Oh, we stand for Ilan Omar. There's no fucking question about that here. The whole lot of them. I think but do Katie, we? Do Katie we have Porter, that? I feel like Katie Porter should be up there. But do we have that but in Delaware? Not, but she's not Katie Porter, right? But but do we do we have that? Do we have that in Delaware? If we have if, one, if, we have one guy. Uh, you know, but it, it, if, I mean, come on. We have look. Kowalko's a firebrand. We have uh, Sean Lynn. He he's got good politics. Um, I think that there are liberals in the General Assembly that are persuadable and are just trying to play the political strategy game as best they can to to move the ball forward. And there's probably I don't know half a dozen of those, and that's it as far as elected officials. Yeah. I mean. Oh. I mean, I, mean, and, I don't, and, I don't know and what that's, feeling. And that's, no, that, but, and that's where we have to get with the gun reform. Because that was the most, uh, I don't know, egregious miscarriages of, I think, uh, power I've, I've ever seen. Because, again, we live in a state, other states have done it. New York's done it. Connecticut. Illinois. Nobody, you know, those states did not blow up when it happened. Yeah, and the other thing is, Again, my my position on guns particularly is a little bit. And it's in the Democratic Party platform. Yeah, but but I don't understand. Like the the thing is that losing the ability to have like fancy assault weapons uh, doesn't really it makes no difference. Like you still have the ability to have arms, and you could commit. You know, you could do whatever you want with them. Um, we're never ever gonna use those arms really against the government because that's absurd. So this is like, it doesn't, it's almost like, so we passed in the General Assembly and I think it took effect 
uh, soon or it will bump stocks or no the, 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 the smoking you can't 21 oh, yeah. year old smoking like oh. that's fine well, that's but nobody really cares <laughs> the banning assault weapons is basically like that like I know people have a gun fetish and they like to have it because they think it's neat uh, I get that like I would think having a uh, you know a predator drone or a hellfire missile was neat but like I'm, I'm smart enough to realize that in a society we can't have people with fucking hellfire missiles in their basement um, so, th like, we have to sort of cut it off at some point, but it really doesn't make that much of a difference because you can still have pretty significant weapons, but they can't even do that. Yeah, I mean, and look, so like that's said, a very, that's very, look troubling. at the numbers, look at the data, look at who the Democratic voters are. Like I said, if you, I just point back, if you look at the attorney general's race, uh, the position of the, the, the top three candidates, uh, I believe were in line with gun reform. And if you look at. The results and and you're gonna tell me democratic voters won't vote for that like i said we have to stop we have to just look at the data look at the science and these people who are the anti-gun a lot of them are not even from here and or they're not registered democrats so i mean i think that's what we have to look at they're you know you call the 50 guys from virginia with the gatson flag you know and look I, i'm just gonna not gonna beat around the bush you know me look at the and this is what i say when i put something about gun statement uh gun reform Look at the people in the audience. Uh, I don't know maybe as many uh, uh, minorities as you may find in like a Trump rally. Um, and, you know, I, I just point that out. I'm like, we you know. We generally say you can count on one hand. It, it, and, and then in that, I say this because I, I've, look, I'm an expert in this, this area and I look at who the gun violence affects and affects people that look like me. And that's the sickening, twisted part about it. And I know banning assault weapons doesn't address that, but there's other reforms in terms of um, even, you know, more enhanced background checks, more... Uh, oh, yeah, and I support that. Those, those two, like having registration insurance, of like guns, registration and insurance. Registration I mean, just, helps, yeah. Just, and that helps the that. urban gun violence. Whatever. Yeah, or, yeah. We could do that. I would be open to that. You can have the, uh, the AR-15, which AR stands for assault rifle. Everybody knows that. You can have that. But you have to register it. You have to get a license. And it's like a driver's license. You have to take a test. We have to see you do it. Take the thing down. Hit the, your, your weapon has to That's pass. It's all that shit. Just like a car. And you can have it then. Then you can have it. But they don't even accept that because it's a fetish. It's not a rational. And, and, and I always get thing. back to it, like I said, because it's, it's people that look like me that are the, the most hurt by gun violence. And it, it just continues on and on. In Delaware, we just don't get it. See, whereas other states stepped up and say, you know what, we're going to do it. We're going to risk not getting reelected, risk everything. Because that's what you have to do. Because at the end of the day, why are you doing what you do if you're not willing to risk everything and fight for the people and what you're supposed to be fighting for? So gun reform, I just had to go that, that little, I had to go in my soapbox for a little bit because that is something that just it, it burned me up. Um, and I know you've had many people talk about it and looking in a super technical way. Um, there's no reason looking at the data, looking at who our electorate is, looking at the amount of Democrats we have that we should not have passed it. It's on our party platform. In fact, the party's demanded it and leadership refuses to do it. And like I said, people, people uh, are going to be, go, people are going to be, uh, are going to start being held accountable for this. Yeah. Like uh, you said, people have been in here in the bunker and said the same thing is the, the tact against this now is. It's on the party platform. This is what we believe. We voted on this. If you're not, you know, if you're not down with this, we have a big problem. 
Yeah. And I know, look, the territory is a little different. Oh, if you're downstate, it's a little different. Fine. But you're still, if you don't want to be a Democrat, then, you know, you there's other parties for you. I, I, I don't really know what else to say. So that's, you know, that's, that's one Kobe, thing. I call that the Kobe Owens theorem. He says that. If you don't like what we do, I don't know what to tell you. This is what we're doing. I mean, that's actually worse. Uh, so those kind of Democrats are the worst because I'd rather Republicans. I actually, uh, enjoy, you know, I have many friends that are Republicans. It's better to... Tell you what, you're on thin ice with I, me right now. It's it better to, you know, but at least they're up front, right? Fair enough. And they don't pretend to be your friend. They yeah. don't pretend to, no, they're, to they're be real. with yeah. you. They don't pretend, they don't sit in coffees with you. They don't, they don't you know... They don't go to rallies with you. They don't say, oh, you know, I'm for it and I'm going to march with you and then stab you in the back. And that's what we get with these Democrats that aren't real true Democrats that aren't fighting for civil rights. Go to the go to the Republican Party. And look, and there was at times where that happened in the shift of history. You know, the Southern Democrats, Dixiecrats, um, which we seem to still have up here, they they broke off during the civil rights era. In, in the 1960s, they broke off and went to the Republican Party because the, Repu the, the Democrats had to brace civil rights, voting rights act. And the Republicans, you know, or, and the Dixiecrats didn't want to embrace that new South. So they eventually broke off and joined the Republican Party. That's actually, you know, if you look at the history, Nixon and his Southern strategy, and he, had, he brought a lot of those Dixiecrats over. That's good shift. Reagan. That's what Reagan, needs to happen. Reagan, Reagan did it quite a bit as well. Nixon did. Nixon yeah. Was the, they, you know. Well, Nixon was the silent majority. Yeah. And then Reagan did the uh, the Philadelphia Mississippi sort of sort of thing but, where he, he he created basically with Atwater the dog whistle. Yeah. But the thing is, we don't need those kind of Democrats in our party. You know, it, because I know we're a big Ten party, but there's certain key values that you have to you know you have to be for healthcare. You have you have to be for fair wage. You you, you know you have to be for for you know, uh, sensible gun reform. If you're not for those, then break off. Break off. There's other parties for you, and um, and I just I, it, it's sickening. You see it in uh, Congress. I mean, there's a fight. There's a push pull. You know, look, everybody's not for Medicare for all. You know, whether we, you know, we're gonna talk about that in future episodes. But at the end of the day, you should be for affordable health care, right? And if you're not fighting for that, um, or you're not fighting for minimum wage, then you're not a Democrat. Uh, that's the only way I can put it. Okay, last topic, because we have to talk about this, because uh, this was a very new sort of current event, too, and I know you and I have a sort of a interest in this. So the PAAG Shapiro conceding to direct action, direct action, will not curtail Larry Krasner's authority within his own district. So what happened here, folks, is so Larry Krasner is a, uh, he's a comrade of ours. He's uh, a, 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 the uh, attorney general in uh, the district attorney of Philadelphia, uh, who's making real, uh, real change, real structural change. Philadelphia has a, a, a notoriously uh, racist uh, police department, uh, and he's trying to make a lot of significant structural change to change that. The state has um, has stepped in to try to curtail his uh, authority in some areas. And uh, while the could you imagine police being held accountable in Delaware? No, wow. I mean, this is why I'm talking about this because this is like a dream. Like you have a, like wow. a dream. I know. Like, like you wake up, oh, yeah. Larry Krasner, I love you. Yeah, like imagine police being called out in Delaware. I know. Wow. 
Wow. So, uh, so the, the the Pennsylvania Attorney General uh, Shapiro was at a, a panel discussion, I think, Net- at Netroots, Net- yeah, Net- Netroots in Philly, and some activists interrupted it and uh, staged a direct action there, and basically said, you know, I don't think you should uh, step in and use the powers that you have to take uh, power, prosecutorial power away from uh, Krasner. And uh, they challenged him in public, and he, he, he backed down. He said, I will not, uh, I'll not take the power, and we're going to let Larry Krasner do, the, you try to enact or try to make the, the ch- material change that uh, he's doing. So I'm fucking cock-a-hoop about this, and I know Krasner, the first time we ever met, we talked about Krasner, um, so I'm sure you have an opinion about this, and I wanted to get it, because just, this just happened within the last couple of days. Yeah, so, you know, Krasner is the... Uh, one of the leaders of his movement again. Uh, it's hard to imitate what he's doing um, because you, you can't. You know, either you have it or you don't. You know, holding police accountable, um, providing um, a list of rogue police officers like that takes serious cleanliness. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's all you know, and that's why that's true reform. That's what it takes. Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of like you said. About, I mean, you that can't imitate courage, political courage. Yeah. You mentioned it a few a few minutes mm-hmm. ago, and that's it. You have to have and political so, courage. And so, so this whole debate, so and, and it's, yeah, it's a political battle because, then the day, you know, AG Sapiro, certain sources say he wants to be in line for next governorship of of Pennsylvania. So he's a political player, um, and but the fact is. This is troublesome that uh, that Krasner's uh, power would be curtailed because he's not prosecuting enough gun and crimes. Uh, but uh, it's a, a political battle, battle that's real because, you know, according to A.G. Shapiro, he says, I did not request this authority. I don't know why somebody passed this. But at the end of the day, like, kind of, like, you know, somebody put that in there. Um, and it's good that there was a lot of pushback because it's wrong because... Um, because somebody steps outside of line, it should not. It, it, they should not be, you know, their their professional power be curtailed. But another perfect example. I mean, look at uh, we have Tiffany Kaban in Queens. Oh, I, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not it, talking about this because it, it, you this, know, this is not. If you look at oh, another, God. you know, someone that again, you, you see, see this stuff to, you can't. You're trying fake. to you're trying to rile me up. You know, and, and that's again, you are who you are. This stuff you can't fake because. These are people that have been doing this their whole career. They've been rocking the boat. And so she's one of those people. And uh, the way it's looking, it, the election may be stolen from her um, based on that, that that happens. So, you know, I think we have to be vigilant as activists because that happens. You know, when someone pushes back, there's always going to be pushback from the opposite side. Yeah, we did, we, did, we did an episode in here uh, after because we... Uh, we did phone banking. Well, I didn't do it. I mean, people, activists came over and did phone banking for Tiffany Come On Here. And then we did a, a podcast episode. It was Kobe, a bunch of folks. Uh, Carl was here. Um, and when when I saw that they're, you know, that they're basically kind of the stuff that they're Disqualified, good votes, yep. Uh, I mean, I can't even... And this I is can't. why, like, I mean, I always have plenty to do. <laughs> like, the, on the voting rights fraud, the civil rights fraud, it's like... The times we're living in. I mean, we even talked about immigration. I mean, that that whole yeah. Uh, and we we talked about that you know, that it, night. It, it's I, well. Here's what I I was thinking about that. And and when I said I don't talk about Trump a lot, I mean, look, this is how it started. I mean, we put people in cages under sort of like a quasi sort of pseudo legal means. Like we're we're exploiting this loophole to make it worse. Mm. 
we're letting people die. Um, the point I made to people in a, in a discussion, this kind of hit home. I don't know if this works, but I said, you know, <clears throat> Anne Frank and her sister, when they went to uh, Pilsenkirchen, I think, I don't, I don't remember. It wasn't Auschwitz, but um, they didn't die in a gas chamber. They weren't shot. They died of like a communicable disease from body lice because it was so dirty there. And like we're 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 doing that. Like people are dying of the kids are dying of of that. And, so what's the next step? But I I it's almost like I can't even well, I can't even. It's fathom. hard to fathom, and that's the incredible thing about the period we're living in. Is like when you're living in it, you you can't you don't realize how perilous it is. I mean, we are living in the, in the time similar to to Nazi Germany. You know, I mean, we have a a, a dictator essentially. It, We're so definitely that's, seeing a rise of a, a rise of authoritarian fascism. Yeah, There's no I mean, question. And about. all the the issues I mean, dealing with racism is the stuff. You know, you didn't grow up that way. I didn't grow up that way. So it's a less safe America. And so I mean, that's why it's important. And and that's why what happened this past general assembly session, what happens in Delaware, we can't overlook because we have a chance to do something special here to stand up against ICE, to stand up and make us a sanctuary state. But you know, so far the only sanctuary territory is Newcastle County. The rest of the state is well, open every, for everybody, business. Everybody <laughs> should everybody should know. This is uh, Radio Free Delaware, and uh, talk to your local person. And uh, if you need a place to uh, crash out, the bunker will accommodate you in our undisclosed location. So, so uh, look. In, in closing, this is a serious. Uh, um, you know what? What I ask everyone to do is. Um, you know, we all got to have action steps. You know, we all got to have a goal on a daily basis in Delaware to right our ship um, because there's a lot of people hurting um, in an immigrant community, um, communities of color, poor communities, rural communities, um, those who suffer from substance abuse. You know, there, there's so much going on in Delaware, and you can't overlook that hurt. And that's the one thing that uh, just grounds me every day you know when, when, I, when I actually go to prison and visit clients is is seeing the inhumane conditions and seeing human dignity being stripped so that's what we have to remember and i want every podcast listener to really pick up and, and and work with um delaware united work with network delaware work with the aclu um you know because we're all fighting the same direction to right this wrong in delaware specifically so please Donate, um, please. I also consider a, a, a patronship uh, for there the podcast. There we go. I like this. I, 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 like the, it. I like what you're saying. I, I have the plug in there because we really Patreon. do. Patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker. Consider a patronage, please. Yes, because we really do have to man together. Like sitting around is doing nothing. And so you don't want to look 20, 30 years when you're talking to your grandkids and say, you know what? This is a horrible hist period in American history. And I did not do something. And so that's a, I think there's a certain presidential candidate where that became a question, what they did during the civil rights era. And I'm not going to name that person, but. We've named him here before. It, it, it is that person can't look back and say, I was the one at the forefront. I was the one getting arrested. I was the one out on the streets. I used my legal talent to help Did you, Did you hear what happened today? So I'm going to close with this. So, um. I did not name specific candidates. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not. Gonna, I'm going to name a specific <laughs> candidate, but not that one. So today, uh, you know, our friend Saint Bernard Sanders, 
was interviewed uh, uh, by a Washington Post reporter, I think just for C-SPAN. So the Washington Post reporter says, Senator Sanders, in 1974 you said this, busing, uh, integrated busing was a good idea, I'm paraphrasing, integrated busing was a good idea, however, in some cases it caused uh, racial animosity, something like that. What did you mean by that? So Sanders says, read the rest of the quote. He goes, what? He goes, you have it there, read, read the rest of the quote. He goes, well, I don't, I don't have it here. He goes, okay, what did I, do you know what I said? He goes, I do know what you said. He goes, what I said after that was, uh, the, the federal government does, will, does not give a shit about black people. That's what he said. Amen. And so the guy was trying to que- like give him a gotcha question, like, like see, you had the same uh, sort of, you had the same trepidations as this other person that will go unnamed. We are here in the shadow of Rockford Tower, so everyone knows. But you, you, you had the same sort of like skepticism, but he didn't read the next sentence. He didn't at all. The federal government does not care, does not give a shit, is what he said, quote, about black people. So just remember that. Uh, consider a patronage, Highlands Bunker, uh, at Highlands Bunker on Twitter, Patreon slash the Highlands Bunker. I want to thank uh, our executive producer here, who will remain nameless, the super producers, and uh, Chris Johnson, the uh, our you know our house counsel and, house and counsel. A civil and civil rights attorney extraordinaire, uh, and definitely we'll put some links to Delaware Center for Justice, ACLU, Network Delaware, Delaware United. All of these. There's ways to get involved, no matter what you want to do. If you can bake brownies, if you can go lobby. If you can put your body in the street for a for a rally, if you can write a bunch of letters, if you can go to Dover and you know and and, and face off with these gun fetishists, whatever you can do, we uh, we, we got to start fighting this, or we're all we're all going to go down. So, Chris, thanks for coming in. Thanks, buddy. Left is best. Ciao.